So hi, everyone. Welcome to the Staking Defense podcast. For this episode, our second episode, I'm feeling super excited to welcome Colin, Abreu, and Jack. Colin is from Consensus. Abreu and Jack are from Scale. And we're going to talk about the Consensus Activate program, which I first came across through my involvement with Scale over the past uh, almost, yeah, more than six months now. And when I first came across the program, um, there were some things about it that resonated with me that I thought could be very beneficial to smaller validator operators. So uh, based on that observation, I reached out to Colin, Abreu, and Jack, and they graciously agreed to join me today. So we'll talk about scale, we'll talk about the Activate program, and we'll talk about the Scale Validator program, and also how the partnership between Scale and Activate uh, could potentially benefit smaller validators. So with that, I'll say welcome, Colin, Abreu, and Jack. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Pleasure to be Thank here. You. Thank you. So I thought we could start with brief introductions, and I'll start with Colin. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for putting this on, and um, really appreciate it, and have enjoyed working on ideas with you in the past as well and happy happy we can share it with the public at this point um so yeah brief uh brief background on me um i've been at consensus now for uh, a little over two years um currently co-leading the activate project with um uh, marsh meat um and have been doing token-based things um for a while um i got the crypto bug in 2016 uh, was working in traditional finance industry in New York and uh, was a non-technologist. Started with the trading element of it um, and then got deeper and deeper in the rabbit holes. Most people say in the industry got into the technology element of it, um, have an economics background. So I got into token design, token mechanisms, uh, got into distribution, uh, and then ultimately uh, ended up at Consensus, um, quit my job at the end of 2017, um, have helped at Consensus in different capacities uh, across many different verticals, but um, have always done token-based things and uh, have really helped push our effort towards launching decentralized networks at the beginning and now with a primary focus on participation um network economics and how we get these networks launched uh keep them strong and how we do it with innovative web3 business models um so again thanks for having me and uh, happy to be here fantastic i appreciate you joining abrew could you go next Hello. absolutely um so thank you so much chris we've been working um since you first joined actually that was my first day and uh, this is Abraham Wallen. Um, I'm director of solutions engineering at Scale. Um, basically, um, what we've been doing is like as a solutions engineering team, we've been working with DApp developers, uh, partnerships, and validators, so that we have the 360 view of the entire community. So we we are basically the bridge between engineers and uh, uh, developers. So um, my background is basically, I was a big data engineer and also software engineer at Oracle. And I've been involved with like multiple um, uh, startups and um, being involved with a lot of uh, software launches. And my main uh, role is at scale is like I lead the validator efforts and I make sure that validators have successful journey at scale and provide all the information they need. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's been fun working together. I think we met. Yeah, I think yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, Jack and I first met in person at ETH Boston back in the fall, if I remember. ETH Boston. Yeah, that's that's the first time that I met you and also Colin. <laughs> that was my first day, and it was uh, wonderful. And that was the first day that I learned about the validator needs from you. It was like a basically the first window. Um, to validator um, concerns and also needs. Um, after having the conversation with you, it was very beneficial for me. Oh, thanks, thanks. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, Aber, that is funny. That was your that was Aber's very first day. First day. So, wow. <laughs> God. Yeah, exactly. It's it was awesome. basically a fire hose of like information. It was a great day. Um, perfect way to enter uh, like a, like a new new job. It was great. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed working with you since then also. Thanks for all the support in the validator channels um, as we go along. 
And finally, Jack. All right. Hey, Chris, pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Jack O'Halloran. I'm the CEO of Scale Labs and co-founder. Scale Labs is the core team supporting the Scale Network, which is an open, decentralized, community-owned and run network. So I've been, uh, I've been doing tech startups in Silicon Valley since 2005. Uh, have traditionally done enterprise software around security, mobile, uh, and AI machine learning, um, particularly in SaaS or software as a service. So have, uh, have been a part of some successful startups and also founded uh, a few successful startups as well prior to getting into crypto. Um, and, you know, I, I, like many people probably listening today, was had a job that had nothing to do with cryptocurrency. I was doing, uh, you know, my last company, almost, uh, almost every single uh, prescription written in the world and for medicine in the US, Japan, China, Europe is, is driven in some fashion by an analytics system that I built with a company called Octana. And uh, in doing that, I was spending a lot of time in Asia. And one of my friends said, hey, you should, uh, you should check out Bitcoin. And this was, you know, I'd read the white paper in 2011. This was 2013. I started really getting into it and, and uh, you know, thankfully discovered Ethereum uh, a little late, but you know, early, early enough. And it, now I've been working in, in crypto full time since, uh, since early 2017. So um, founded Scale with Stan, uh, Scale Labs in uh, the end of 2017. And, you know, we just launched Mainnet, a, a first version of Mainnet. Mainnet will roll over three phases. The first phase is really just a, you know, the, the network's up and running. It's uh, running in a controlled fashion and validators are starting to join the network. So um, that's a little bit of my background, and I also spent a lot of time with Abru and and uh, the entire validator community, and am really passionate about this side of of the of the network. Fantastic, yeah, and congratulations on the the mainnet launch as well. That's exciting news. Yeah, thanks. Well, hey, the next phase will be even better and bigger when all of the nodes are are run and staking begin commences on the Activate platform. So we're we're really excited for phase two. Yeah, and it may be worth clarifying as we jump into things. So mainnet right now is, how would you describe it? I know some some networks describe it as an idling mainnet. Other other networks use different nomenclature, but how would you explain mainnet? And then what will the difference be once it's open to external validators? Yeah, I think I, idling is a very, I think, a good description. We just, we've just been calling it a restricted mainnet. And what it means is you don't want, uh, the point here, you don't want bounty going out to just a subset of people or, or rewards or inflation um, if you're limiting who can participate. So there's no part, there's no bounty, there's no staking. Uh, all the contracts are deployed on Ethereum. There's a, uh, there's scale nodes that are deployed and up and running. Um, but the, it's effectively in a restricted idle state. And what will happen is after the, uh, the activate auction commences and token, we get better decentralized token distribution and everyone who buys has to stake, um, the network will roll into phase two and it will go from idle to a functioning network, but it will still have a restriction around liquidity. No one will be able to sell tokens or exchange them to other people until a 90 day period ends. And I know Colin will get into more of that later, but those are the, really the three phases and we're, we're closely approaching um, phase two. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. I know different networks have different launch plans and there's really no consistent terminology across the space right now. So yeah, I think that's really helpful level yeah. setting. I appreciate it. You know, but I have to say it is nice to see a best practices become baked in here where instead of just jumping off the, the high dive into the deep end, you kind of like, you know, dip your toe in the water, <laughs> you go to the small diving board and then, you know, and you, it, cause it's a community, right? You have to get a lot of, uh, a lot of different sets of actors ready and, and then you eventually, uh, you know, uh, get to this place where you're doing the real thing. Yes, yes, an incremental, incremental risk management approach at the same time feels pretty beneficial. Uh, so yeah, that said, I, I think before we jump into the Activate program itself, Jack or Abru, or Jack and Abru, can you talk um, a little bit about the Scale Validator program itself, particularly how you see the smaller validator operators fitting into the picture? Because one of the things that I remember when we first met in in the fall, uh, last fall, was that fr from the beginning, you both seem to have a real feel for the importance of a diverse validator set. And one of the things that really struck me as well was that you were almost 
looking at validators as another customer set, which is something that I've been thinking about. So a lot of, you know, traditional, I guess, Web2 companies think of their end users as the customers, but in staking networks, you have this other set of stakeholders, you know, the validators. And I think taking that customer-centric approach to the validators ends up resulting in a stronger validator set. And I've really seen you carry through on that. Um, So yeah, if you could start by telling us a little bit about the program, where it started, where it's been, and how you see smaller operators fitting in, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give a high level and then Avery, please, please go and you can give more, more nuanced detail here, but I'll just kind of talk about the approach. So, so when we were, you know, as, as the network mechanics and architecture was designed, it was really clear that there are multiple sets of actors and, you know, it's really in a way a three-sided marketplace. You know, there's, you know, web two, there there are a lot of two-sided marketplaces. This is a third side where we have delegators, right, who have tokens and need to, to stake. We have validator operators who are running validator nodes. They're an entirely different set of people for, I'd say, at least 80 to 90% of the time. Sometimes those two, those two groups uh, are one in terms of uh, their role. And then you also have DAP developers. So, and that's really the, they're the, we see them as the customers of the validator. And we see the delegator as a customer of the validator operator. And so we, uh, there are a lot of components that come into play here, but one of the things that we did is uh, Floodgate uh, was one of our early seed investors, and they were also one of the, the first investors in Lyft. And we've, we were able to pick up a lot of really interesting information and just studied marketplaces. And so if you think about an entirely different situation where you have people driving vehicles and riders looking for rides, it's very different, but... There are a lot of similar mechanics in terms of, you know, creating a great user experience, making sure there's enough supply, making sure there's enough demand, um, you know, sparking the marketplace. So a lot of those can, a lot of those best practices fold into the economics of the scale network. But also, you have to think about distribution and decentralization and how it impacts security for running uh, and support and viability f- uh, for running a network. And similar to these things are similar to Lyft, where with Lyft, um, you know, if they just, if Lyft just signed up ten big companies to work for them, well, it would be a very different experience. And Lyft did a phenomenal job of getting a very diverse set of people in vehicles and with good economic opportunities and you know, a way to augment their their income. And so we, and then you know, you have the right supply, and we have other dynamics too because it's a Byzantine fault tolerance system, and every scale chain is pulling from a larger set of validator nodes randomly selecting them, rotating them. So we need to make sure that we have really high quality validator operators who understand technology, but we also have a diverse set of them. And if you just cater economics to big players with real strong venture capital financing, you're going to find you'll probably have no issues in the short term. But in the long term, we think that the networks that don't intentionally create economic standards and programs and initiatives to support a broad set of actors, including not just big validator operators, but also validator as a service operators. And, you know, most importantly, the smaller shops that are two to five people running, running nodes, we have to create wins for all of them. And the network's stronger. You have, uh, I think we're going to have far less issues over time, but also say it's not easy. We know that we couldn't do everything perfectly at the start and have business agility and the performance we wanted. Uh, if we let, um, you know, 150 validators in on day one. So we had to make some, some trade-offs, but we're going to, um, you know, it's all part of a plan. They'll all be, those issues will be augmented later with other fixes that Chris, thankfully you've helped us think about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's high level how we think about the program and how we think about seeding this three-sided marketplace. And, and Avery, do you want to add more, more context? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Jack. So I want to just like um, tell a little bit about like from our perspective, like as a team, like what we've been doing. And also like we, our main goal is basically be available to all validators, um, small, medium, large. Like we just want to make sure that all the validators, especially these small validators, they have actually, they feel comfortable and create this environment for them to get involved. And um, provide more education, provide more information about scale. We educate them what scale is about and how they can get involved in 
the community and also like how they can provide more information. We actually, what we do is like most of the time, like we uh, basically gather information from them and um, like from all validators because they've been gone through all these like pain points, right? Like what, what it means for them. So try to hear their voice and understand their concerns and iterate and make everything better. And to do that, basically, basically when you said like the customers, we want to make sure that they have a successful um, journey with scale. So what we do is like we provide more information, documentation, make sure that because they don't have it, we know that small validators, they don't have that much time. So we want to make sure that they have a smooth process. And um, to be able to do that, we just need to like learn from our uh, mistakes and get better at it. And also, um, uh, we we do, um, for instance, like provide more documentation about it and help them set up their nodes. And like if they don't get the information they need from the community, our team is always available so that we encourage them to just like um, feel like they just feel that they are uh, part of the scale network. Um, yeah, and also um, we just, um, we, we can just like also the delegations as especially like we wanna make sure that every validator um, get delegations. So we encourage delegations to small validators, make sure that we create panels and um, like include all the validators in it. So basically like uh, we try to just like from in every perspective, our team just like, it's not perfect right now, but from learning from the validators like you, Chris, and um, like from like the old like validators that have been supporting us, we are learning and then adding more and more uh, process for the smaller validators. Thanks, yeah, and I, I hope that some of the smaller operators listening to this feel, feel hopeful about that approach also, because coming back to Jack's point, yeah, I think a lot of networks struggle between the on the on the path to decentralization or not struggle, but just, you know, try and figure out the right balance each step along the way between how decentralized can we be while still launching successfully. And I think, you know, it all starts with an intention and the fact that scale has, you know, included smaller operators pretty much from the beginning and has an eye toward making sure that the validator set is a diverse one, you know, among the three groups that Jack mentioned, the larger operators, the validators, the service companies, and the smaller operators helps inform that approach. Because I think what I've seen happen many times is that some networks will talk about the importance of that, but that fades away when things start to get hard. But I think, you know, from what I've seen, the intention is there throughout and it's consistent. And yeah, I think it, it feels really hopeful. And then when it comes to, you know, interacting within the, the chats, Abro, I think you've done a really nice job encouraging a welcoming environment. You know, some of the validator environments, I feel like, have gotten a little bit contentious over time, especially with some of the longstanding people. But I would say that it does feel like a pretty welcoming environment. And the other thing that you mentioned really resonated with me is that as a smaller operator, yeah, we, you know, our time is limited, like everybody's. So one of the frustrations that can happen is if you go into a chat looking for help and you may not get that help, say, for a day or a day and a half, or you're not sure when that's going to happen. So that means, you know, a simple fix or a simple workaround might take two or three days to actually do. So the one thing that I really appreciate is that anytime I chat with Abru, I know I'm going to get a response, you know, within reasonable working hours or maybe unreasonable, depending on your perspective. But I appreciate the fact that Abru is available and, you know, you make other resources available. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when I need help, I know that I can get it. And I think if there are other, you know, smaller validators listening to this, that would really speak and resonate loudly with them too. Uh, so now that we now that we know about the a little bit more about the program, Colin, I'll turn it over to you to tell us more about the Activate program. And then after that, we'll talk about why Scale decided to use it. Yeah, awesome. So um, the story of uh, like launching decentralized networks as, as consensus has been a, a multifaceted chapter. Um, the efforts behind this started in 2017 um, with a research effort called the Brooklyn Project, um, which was set out to figure out what, what is the safest and best way to launch token-powered networks. Um, as a major supporter of Ethereum, it is, it is our duty inside of this realm to ensure that these networks get launched, that 
tokens are distributed to a wide base of individuals, um, and we do the best that we possibly can to diversify early participation of of the token holders inside of networks. And at the end of the day, you know this this technology is designed to be decentralized and. You can take the approach of altruism and decentralization uh, of the world and of humans and of power and decision making, um, but at the end of the day, like uh, the technology must be decentralized based on its participation base. Um, so the efforts began in 2017, and, and where that led is a, a set of launch standards um, to help um, token-powered networks launch themselves. Uh, and do token auctions um, prior to launching to mainnet um, and basically at the same time as mainnet. So out of that came uh, a set of token launch standards uh, with the primary, um, I guess, pillar, if you will, uh, is uh, proof of use. Um, proof of use is uh, a requirement for, for anyone who, who launches tokens um, with consensus and uh, on Activate. Uh, which is that if you purchase tokens in a network launch, um, you are required to use them uh, a certain percentage of your tokens for a certain period of time. Um, and this really ensures early participation. Um, it allows us to distribute tokens to a, a broader base of individuals than other people in the industry who are trying to do this. And, and it really is, you know, um, encoded in the DNA of what we do is ensuring people use um, and making sure that they use um, for a long period of time and offering them the tools and services that allow them to use. Um, so in, in that process, um, using proof of use, um, in 2018, we had some great examples of how we used it, but one of the things that, that was missing in the industry was uh, the maturity of proof of stake and the maturity of token economics and a place to actually use. Um, so at the beginning of 2019, we went back to the drawing board, um, learned from our successes and our failures in that department and kind of said, okay, cool, you know, what does, what does the next chapter of this look like? And you know, what, what can we do to extend the product um, beyond just the launch? Um, so in the concept of where we're at today with Activate and you know, what we're doing with Scale is a launch and stake. Um, and what, what this purpose and what the purpose serves of this is to not only allow a broadly diversified token distribution, which is something that, that, you know, we have accomplished and, uh, we're ready to move on from that. And now what we're focused on is, okay, now that we have the methodology down to distribute, uh, what type of products and services can we uh, give users that allow for ongoing participation? Um, so at its core, um, Activate is a vertically integrated application layer. Um, it is a innovative Web3 business model that is based on a thesis um, created by myself and Mara called the Chubby Application Thesis. Um, there's, there's been different ways of and different methodologies and thoughts about how value accrues um, inside of token-powered networks. And right now there's a lot of great stuff taking place at the application layer. Um, but for us, we are vertically integrated, which means that the partners uh, that we launch with and, and partner with over the long term, um, we take native token as payment. Um, we subject ourselves to use clauses and long lockups. Um, so we're here to build a, a gateway into the network and we're here to use our tokens to strengthen the network as well. Um, and it's a series of incentives, um, which doesn't charge users anything. Um, and it's something that we're very excited to see play out with, uh, with, uh, the scale use case, uh, in the coming weeks. Cool. Thanks for that. We'll get into some of those details after we talk to Jack about the decision process in terms of deciding to use um, activated scale. But one thing I wanted to come back to and what you said, Colin, you mentioned something about altruism and that's something I've been thinking about as well. I, didn't, I haven't been thinking about it as eloquently, but I wonder what I've been thinking about is in networks, what I'm seeing sometimes is that when certain hard questions are asked, sometimes the answers will be that, well, people are good or people aren't going to do that. And then 
what what I've seen happen is that once the real money starts to flow, once the mainnet launches and the real money starts to flow, then people start doing those things that other people were hoping they wouldn't do. You know, coming back to a bit more of a self-serving interest than I think many of us would like to see in the crypto space and the decentralized space as a whole. So I was wondering if that's what you were talking about when you were when you mentioned altruism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at at the end of the day, um, when we looked at how to combat stake centralization it was it, it was one of the biggest things that we were focused on when designing the product and designing the platform and the standards and and you know how we would approach it we we saw this inertia of you know moving towards proof of stake uh, we saw this inertia of, of different providers popping up uh, inside of that equation um, and you know it's we saw a lot of fragmentation as well which is something that we see today um, so there are a lot of people in this industry that, you know, would, would love to believe that the decentralized, like the decentralization of all things is, is what everyone wants. It's what everyone believes in. Um, but humans, if not given the right tools and products will, will fall into old habits. Right. Um, so stake centralization is, is an inertia force and it's, it's something hard to combat. Um, people can use economies of scale in, in different manners, um, most of which people use in a selfish perspective. Um, as we've seen some, some providers in the space, uh, you know, who say that they support the Web3 world, but, you know, don't uh, offer or charge any fees to people who are delegating, which, you know, literally goes against uh, the way that the technology is designed. Um, so for us, it's, it's been a huge learning lesson of, of, you know, watching other people being consensus, um, staying true to, to what we believe in, which is the decentralization of the technology on the use level, uh, and building products, services, and applications around that to do the best that we possibly can to offer users who want to participate in decentralized networks, um, products and services that allow for the technology to organically decentralize itself. Um, and uh, there's altruism that, that plays into enabling that, but uh, if you can't beat that, which it's, it's shown that it's hard to beat, what you can do is you can just build great products and services, you can partner with great partners, um, and you can organically grow the decentralization and uh, the staking and participation inside of these networks. Fantastic. Really nicely said. It, it feels helpful to know that there are other people out there keeping an eye on these things. So with that said, Jack, could you tell us how Scale came to use the program? You know what? Hey, I, I'm going to piggyback off this last conversation here. Uh, just that's a nice segue into this, your question. So uh, speaking about altruism, so everybody, it's easy to be altruistic when you don't have a lot of money right in front of your face and you need to make one action that won't give you the money, another one that will, right? Um, and a lot of people and humans have different, uh, different appetites for delayed gratification too, right? That's another piece. It's like, well, I could take this today or, you know, and make this, or I could wait two years and have a lot of money. So what, what it really comes down to and kind of the way we looked at this, and this is something I learned from enterprise sales and, and structuring programs to drive behaviors. And the number one rule for business to business sales culture is, comp plans drive behavior. And if you want to help people make decisions, you know, show, align the way they make money towards the decisions you want them to make. And then you have win-win. So, so if you look at scale, the scale network has, I think some of the best, you know, I haven't seen everyone's lockup schedules in terms of team and investors, but I would uh, challenge anybody to show me one that's similar. Um, we think we have one of the best in, in, crypto networks in terms of lockups. And what it means is you just have these schedules that are in place that make, you know, that force people who are in control at the start to make really good decisions for the long run. And so, um, and so then you combine altruism and monetary wins <laughs> when you do that. So it's a way through smart contracts because all of these things are locked in smart contracts of guaranteeing the best economic result, just like, you know, frankly, consensus works that way in blockchains too, right? Everyone could make bad decisions and do things, but then they don't make money. So comp plans also drive behavior when it comes to designing blockchain security. So, um, so all that being said, like, why did we 
pick going this route of proof of use and working with consensus. So uh, drawing back, I think the number one most important thing is developers are, uh, this is are the number one group we're all trying to make successful. If you're a validator, you're a delegator, you're a core team builder, you're an open source code contributor, at the end of the day, your goal is to help Ethereum developers be successful because these networks and systems have to have an economic component. And so what happens is the reality is, is developers have to pay for the scale chains and scale tokens and that payment's made in scale tokens. And so um, when we, when we designed the economics, we thought, okay, like the developer's king, how do we make developers win? And, and we said, let's get a stable network up and running. Well, how do you get a stable network up and running? If you just have to launch a token and, and it goes immediately on an exchange and, and what does that do to validator communities and validator economics and, you know, the minimum stake requirement and all these pieces that are dramatically impacted if you have a huge surge in valuation the first three months. And the reality is, is through this, through the activate proof of use program, there's no trading. The network gets up and running. There's an auction that sets a fair market value. And then it's a, this phase two of the three phases. And what we do is we have three months to get things in a very stable, usable quality place for developers and ultimately uh, make sure that part of the market is having a win. And going back to this Lyft example, let's make sure the riders have a, an amazing experience. They get to where they, they want to go. And with scale, let's make sure Ethereum smart con contracts are happening at sub-second block times with no gas fees, with a beautiful interaction between the mainnet and the scale network. And the scale network also is built into the Ethereum mainnet. So there's a whole series of smart contracts and that's in the mainnet. And that's how orchestration of nodes happens. It happens in Ethereum. That's how delegation, if you want to delegate, you it all, if you want to run a validator node, all of the stake happens in the Ethereum mainnet. So it's really a, a hybrid network between Ethereum and the scale nodes. And so this period of time allowed the network to really come into a, a healthy place over these 90 days. So it was a no brainer for us. And the last piece is, you know, just also thankfully is more compliant. So that was just like a bonus. Uh, but the health of network is really what drove the decision process here and the entire, I think, ethos of consensus being uh, uh, developer and Ethereum friendly really was a fit. And then uh, Colin, Mara and the team working specifically on Activate have been phenomenal to work with and I think have an aligned philosophical perspective, which really helps business reality come together. Right. And one of the things that I'm thinking about as you're saying that is you mentioned developers and not a lot of networks, at least previously, have been thinking about the developers. So I guess from that perspective, it's not surprising that, you know, you would be able to do things in a different way um, than some other networks by choosing the Activate program because you have that perspective that a lot of others aren't bringing to the table just yet. So I could definitely see how, you know, thinking about the developers and the developers needing that healthy network and then maybe taking a jump to say a healthy network means a, you know, a more equitable token distribution and better decentralization all fits together pretty nicely. And so with that, I'll come back to Colin and say, or ask, could you give a very brief overview of the Activate program? Um, I know you touched on things, maybe talk about proof of use and put it back in the context of what Jack was talking about for those first three months. And then after that, highlight a couple, two or three things or more, if they're more that you decided to implement within the program that you feel would lead to that healthier distribution. And along those lines, two examples that came to my mind through some of the, the work we did earlier was that the staking platform allows you to choose multiple multiple validators to delegate to at once, if I remember correctly. And then there's another vector there, which was helping the smaller operators market, which when you're cash constrained and resource constrained, validators like us can use all the help we can get when it came to marketing. So those are the two areas that really stood out to me. So I'll turn it over to you there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so proof of use is, you know, it, uh, it is based on the network. Uh, it's a very moldable thing. Um, and in the context of scale, you know, when looking at it, it's, it's a perfect use case for us. Um, scale being a proof of stake based network, it, it has your validators, it has your delegators. Um, and the way that it'll work uh, in the context of Activate is, is that uh, upon a mainnet launch, um, everyone who, who has tokens, 
Um, that includes all of the early supporters um, that participated with SCALE um, over the past couple of years, including all of the participants um, who participated in the auction on Activate um, will all be subject to use requirements. Um, and what this means is, is that um, all users will have to stake 50% of their tokens for a minimum of 90 days. Um, and in that environment, um, you know, there's, there's different ways that we've learned uh, about how to go about proof of use and, and what the most effective way is to do it. Um, in the past, um, we leaned more on the protocol team uh, to build the interface and build the application uh, to enable the proof of use uh, methodology that we implemented. Um, what we've done now in the scale context, and since proof of stake has matured more, is uh, we built a staking marketplace. Um, and you can think of it likened to Jack's Lyft or Uber example. Um, purchasers um, from historically over the time of the scale network and including the auction uh, will be able to transition from a Web 2 Activate application to a Web 3 DAP, um, which is a management system. It's a calculator for your rewards, and it's also a staking marketplace. Um, this will allow people to pick and choose the validators that, that all support the scale network inside of the same application. Um, our research led us to find that there was loads of not only fragmentation um, that existed inside of participating inside of networks, but, but there was also uh, bias and favoritism. One, one thing that we really learned from you, Chris, is you know, how, how should we organize the marketplace and how should the marketplace be presented to users and how can, how can we do a better job of, of the products that currently exist out there today? Uh, what we see with, with a lot of the different staking dApps um, is, is that validators are ranked right in, in some type of uh, manner, uh, mostly ranked by amount staked. Uh, or, or, you know, different types of, call it wealth-based uh, distribution organization. Um, so what, what we want to achieve with Activate and, and the way that the staking gap will work for scale is, is that all the validators listed on the marketplace um, will be randomized each time you come into the application. Um, everyone will, will have the same relevant uh, statistics presented to users. Um, and it will really be up to them. So there's no bias in information. There's no bias in organization. Um, there's enough information and link outs for everyone to make their own choice and also potentially choose between multiple um, if that is what they want to do, which I believe is something that <clears throat> doesn't exist today because of the fragmentation. Um, so if, if, if we consolidate everything inside of a marketplace and, and we give users the ability to pick and choose in a non-biased manner, you know, what is, what is the result of that? So that's one piece of it. The second piece with proof of use is one of some of the interesting KPIs for ourselves that we have in this equation is, uh, if required to only stake 50% of your tokens, uh, and you're earning rewards for completing proof of use, you know, will you stake more? And in addition to that, uh, will you stake for longer than what that requirement is? Um, so we've, we've kind of set, set the benchmark low on use, um, and we're very interested to see what, what some of this restake rate is and what the continued staking rate is inside of the network. Um, how this ties to the smaller validator is, is definitely something that um, we're here to help with uh, and something that, that we're probably best positioned to help with in the Ethereum perspective, right? Um, validators today run a chain agnostic strategy, um, which I agree with. I, I think from a business model perspective, that's, that's a very smart way to run your operations. Um, inside of that though, uh, there is uh, the support in the marketing and the presentation and the content and all the things that are associated with the validator making themselves known to separate ecosystems, uh, which is very, very difficult. Um, that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is building front-end applications. Um, building staking dApps, uh, plugging in with a light block explorer and all the other type of on-chain data that needs to be put in is 
most definitely not copy and paste. And it probably won't be for a while. Um, so there's the marketing and then there's resources that are needed to build front end applications and plug in all the data. These are two things that not every validator um, has the bandwidth, has the capital or the resources to do. And honestly, they shouldn't. Because at the end of the day, what is a validator's primary duty? Their primary duty is to build a, a scalable, secure infrastructure setup that validates networks, uh, allows them to remain truthful, and uh, allows them to protect themselves and also delegators from being slashed and the network participants as a whole. So those are kind of the, the pillars that we looked at, some of the problems that we saw and, and how the product uh, addresses some of the fragmentation problems, some of the centralization problems, and some of the uh, selection biases that we see in the current products in the market today. Thanks. That, um, at least from my own, my own experience, you know, those last two things that you said, particularly about marketing. Well, I guess I think about it in terms of marketing and about the delegation flow. Yeah, I, to your point, spend most of my time making sure that the validators are running reliably and securely. And that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for all the other stuff uh, that, you know, relates to attracting delegators, first and foremost being marketing and then the, then the delegation flow. So I think one of the things we've seen with early block explorers showed us some of the, the lessons that you're looking to address, which is that organizing by wealth tends to compound that wealth and that trying to get people to delegate to more than one validator is a hurdle simply for them to choose to delegate to more than one validator because they have to determine which validators they're going to choose from. And then if they have to go through a complex delegation flow beginning to end for each one of those validators that they choose, that becomes another barrier to entry. So yeah, two of those things that you've implemented that I saw when we were doing our work, which was a pretty fun session, will really address that. And that really resonated with me. I think the other things too is, you know, from an Ethereum perspective, right? Like what is, you know, what is the duty of Activate? We're, we're here to support the most important and the best networks that help with the maturity and the scalability of Ethereum. Um, you know, validators participating on Activate and the different networks that we, you know, support is you should feel as if that, you know, we're here to be your Ethereum plug. We're here to help you support the Ethereum ecosystem um, because you're probably supporting a bunch of other chains as you should, because it makes sense to do so today. Um, but when it comes from the Ethereum perspective, like, you know, there's a level of trust that, that we want to build with the smaller validators because um, the best networks will only survive if there is a decentralization element built into the validation side. Um, and that's why we're here to help and support. Awesome. And we'll come back to that point. I'd like to, we'll, we'll go back to Jack and Abreu and we'll start to wrap this up because I'm aware of that we're coming up on time here. But I do want to come back to that in order for smaller validators to know how they can learn more about Activate and how they can get involved. Uh, but before we go there, I think Khan gave a really nice description of Activate and its benefits to the smaller operators. So I think Jack and Abra, I'll ask you to maybe help us start to wrap up by giving us a brief summary of the scale timeline and then help any smaller operators or really any operators that are listening, help them understand where they can get involved and how they can get involved. Yeah, sounds, sounds great. I'll give an, an overview on the timing and then Abra, maybe you could talk then more about the next, the upcoming incentivized test net for the fall and how we plan to really, you know, really grow uh, decentralization at that time as well. So, okay, good. So, so we are, uh, August 17th, they'll, the auction will commence. And that's critical to the, I think, just the, the security of the network to set a, a proper price point for the token to, to be in, in play. And then September 1st is the target date where everything rolls live for phase two. Now, uh, we have a small team and uh, Chris, as you know, it's uh, the setup thus far has been very time intensive. It's been amazing getting all the support and feedback. And we just, we could only take in a set of, of 25 or so validators. We just, we had hundreds that wanted to get in the mix. And we just, due to the, the nature of where the code was and where we were and the involvement we needed, 
we had to limit it. Now, one thing that I thought was done well is there's still a really good mix and diversity of small, medium, large, and validator, uh, validator as a service um, profiles in this mix of 25. We, we wanted it to be much larger. We just couldn't do it and give, you know, make things happen that needed to happen to get the network live. So the good news is as we, as we roll into phase three, which is the end of the 90 day period for the proof of use period, phase three is when the token goes live and the network goes live. We'll be doing an even larger second round of an incentivized test net to test new features or, you know, this is, I see this as a modern day decentralized SaaS platform where you don't just roll out one version and up and it's, it's it like over time, you keep pushing out new features, new releases. And what that takes is real coordination amongst validators. It takes continued testing. And so, so anyone who didn't get to participate in the first 25 and to do that, you had to have gone through an onboarding and a, a, a run in the first test net and do these things. And once it filled up, we just had to close it. But we know that the network viability and success is going to be really dependent on having a much broader and more diverse set of node operators. And so, so our team has been working with like um, validators um, online on discord here, like just want to like, whoever is listening to this boss guys, I want you just to um, tell everyone that we are here and just reach out. And um, what uh, validators can do is go to scale.network and um, check the docs, dev docs, and like learn about the scale validator program. There's a lot of information there. If they feel comfortable, they want to be involved, um, just there's a sign up form. And what happens with this sign up form is that once they sign up, uh, we reach out to them, answer their questions, ask them to join Discord, and uh, like, uh, we are just here to just um, make sure that they get the information. What happens is that, uh, as Jack mentioned, um, we are going to have a Kilimanjaro testnet very soon, and we are working on that um, whole design of this, and we are working with multiple people to make sure that we have a good um, design um, so that we can support a lot of validators and also have a successful testnet. That's our biggest goal. At first, we had the cap, of, of course, but we learned a lot from this phase so that we have a better process for the entire validator community. So just sign up. And then once we have all the dates, we are going to reach out to all the validators and it's going to be a good um, testnet. And hopefully we are going to just onboard a lot of validators um, for the phase three. All right. So I think what I'm hearing is that if there are any validator operators out there who are interested in participating in the next testnet, that now is a good time to fill out that form and reach out to Abru and start to get familiar with the network. And then it'll be not a slow roll, but yeah, there won't be a mad rush to jump on. So now's a good time to get involved and get to know Abru and the team and begin to get involved in preparation for the next testnet. Yeah, the, and I'll just say that the documentation's there. We're, we're, we'd love to have you yeah, get familiar and just, you know, in advance, just want to say we're, we're sorry it couldn't have been more. We just, it was a, uh, it was just a matter of, of making sure. And, and by the way, we also felt like we were doing people a favor because they get to run things that will be more stable. So and we now have a, a, a very stable uh, network running. So there, there's pros and cons, but we're excited to get you involved later. And for anyone who wasn't, who haven't, has not been able to be added to the fold yet, um, just please know that the, this community uh, sincerely is, is uh, excited to get people up and running and also you know, get more incentive stakes out there to support the community. And one thing I would add from my own perspective is that I think some people, including myself, if they're not involved at the very beginning, they may feel like the opportunity may go away pretty quickly. However, just adding my own perspective here and seeing the commitment of the scale team and using the Activate program as well, I don't think that necessarily is going to happen here. So I would encourage anybody who does want to get involved in the scale network, but wasn't part of that first 25 to not be discouraged because I really believe that the team will follow through and, you know, run a good incentivized test net and then also be very welcoming once the main net um, set gets bigger and the activate program will help make sure that there's plenty of stake to go around and that it all doesn't centralize among the first 25. And with that, I think I'll hand it over to Colin to, to bring us to a close and 
ask you where smaller validator operators can learn more. And when they're going to learn more, understanding that everybody's suffering from a deluge of information right now, what aspects in particular would you recommend they focus on to maximize the program's value to them? So in, in, the, in the context of, you know, activate and uh, small delegators, it, you know, let's, let's talk about the relationship a little bit. Um, the relationship should be viewed as if, you know, if you're a validator and as proof of stake is now growing out in the Ethereum sense, not only at layer one, but above layer one as well. Um, and you're interested in participating in that ecosystem, you know, we're, we're here to help. Um, we're here to be your Ethereum bridge and, and we're here to help drive traffic into you. Um, in regard to, to how to get more involved and how to participate, um, from a scale perspective, uh, their Discord group is awesome. Uh, all of us are currently who are who are on this podcast are in that. So if you are interested in scale, definitely hit up the Discord group and uh, get get uh, more involved. I'm also in that uh, as well. Um, outside of scale, and and if you're interested in kind of what what we have planned for the future and want to just know more about what we know about the market and you know what we've observed, we. We love meeting new people and, and we love jumping on calls with people. So um, there are probably two, two ways to reach out. Um, I, I would say number one would be to reach out to myself on Telegram at StakeEath. Um, and then we also have a customer support set up on our website today. Um, so if you head over to the Activate site, um, we have recently set up a, a feedback channel specifically for validators. Um, as you know, uh, potential token holders plus validators now have become uh, the brunt of the traffic uh, that we receive. So, um, if you want to get at me personally, I'd be happy to have that conversation and, and you know get that set up. Um, and if you want to go more on a platform agnostic route, um, reach out to uh, our our help center on uh, the website, and uh, we'll be able to get everyone teed up. All right, thanks. And I'll be putting a bunch of links both to the scale program itself and to activate in the notes for this episode. So people will be able to refer to them as well. And with that said, I'd like to really thank all of you for joining today and spending some time and sticking around a little bit later than we expected to wrap this up. Yeah. So Colin, Abreu and Jack, thanks a lot for joining. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. everybody. Thanks, Chris. This has been great. It's fun. This episode of the Staking Defense podcast is a wrap. This podcast is sponsored by Chainflow and Staking Defense. You can learn more about Chainflow at chainflow.io slash staking and continue the discussion at forum.stakingdefense.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast in about a month. Subscribe at stakingdefense.substack.com so you don't miss it and join our Telegram community at t.me slash staking defense to keep the discussion going. Until then, keep stake decentralized.